Good afternoon and welcome to Aging Matters on Arlington Independent Media's community radio station, WERA Arlington, 96.7 FM. I'm Cheryl Beversdorf, your host. Falls are the leading cause of fatal and non-fatal injuries for older Americans and can threaten older adults' safety and independence. Through lifestyle adjustments, falls prevention programs and clinical community partnerships, the number of falls can be substantially reduced for this population. My guests today are Dr. Sarah Papa, coordinator of the Northern Virginia Falls Prevention Alliance, and Rainey Ames, executive producer of the Saving Claire Falls Prevention Project. Sarah will talk about causes and risk factors associated with fall-related injuries among older adults and practices and programs available to prevent injury and death. Rainey will discuss the Saving Claire Falls Prevention Project and how this groundbreaking documentary is helping to address falls risk for older adults. So welcome, Sarah and Rainey, and thanks for joining me today. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. All right. So, Sarah, let's start with you. Let's learn about falls. How common are they? What's the impact on individuals who fall? What's the average cost for hospitalization due to falls? Is it unavoidable when people get older? What do we need to know about falls? Sure. Thanks, Cheryl. So we do know that while falls are common, and, you know, when I talk to people, I remind folks that people of all ages fall. Uh, I myself have fallen recently. Uh, But what we know is as we get older, right, that risk of an injury and even a serious injury becomes more um, prevalent. And you even mentioned it in your introduction, Cheryl, when you said that falls are the leading cause of injury and injury-related death for people over the age of 65. And so we know that about one in four older adults fall every year. But of course, those are only the falls that we know about, right? Because the good news is not every fall results in an injury. Not every fall results in that needed trip to an emergency room. Um, so a lot of falls go unreported. But we know that, again, at least one in four older adults um, will have a fall every year. If you are hospitalized because of a fall, um, uh, and there's about 950,000 hospitalizations every year in the United States due to a fall, um, the average cost is about $14,000. Um, per hospitalization. When you add that up over the course of the year with all the older adults that we have, um, it's over $50 billion a year um, is spent in healthcare costs related to falls for older adults. Um, So while we say they're not inevitable and they really are not, they are preventable and often they are predictable. And so when we talk about falls prevention and we talk about things that we can do um, in our home, things that we can do in our community, things that we can do just with ourselves in terms of perhaps maintaining our fitness level, um, doing a medication check, right? There are several things that we can do um, to really help prevent that fall. You mentioned injury. I just, just quickly, I'll just add the most common injuries are hip fractures and head trauma. And of course, we also see ankle and wrist injuries um, common with a fall. And I just wanted to clarify one fact, Sarah. So falling is not an unavoidable result of aging. That's correct. Just because we're getting older does not mean we're going to fall. Does our risk for a fall increase as we age? Yes, it does. And why is that? Well, there are a lot of age-related changes that happen in our body, changes to our reaction time, 
changes to our strength and balance. Uh, we might be taking some medications that, that could affect our balance. Um, so yes, there are things that happen as we age that do increase that risk of a fall. But what we know is that, um, again, most falls, they're preventable, they're predictable. And if we take the time to think about what our risk factors are and proactively do something about them, we can greatly reduce that risk. And talk a little bit more about the most common injuries that occur. You, you talked about it a little bit, but uh, when older adults fall, are there certain things that are more likely to happen than others um, with respect to uh, the results of when they fall? So the most common thing that we see are hip fractures and head trauma or head injuries, as I mentioned. Um, people also can break um, or have an injury in their ankle or their lower leg. Um, they can also have an injury to their arm or their wrist, right? When we fall, uh, in the process of falling, what sort of happens instinctually is we put our hands out frequently. And so depending on how you fall, if all of your weight lands on your hands, um, you know, that could cause um, an injury to your wrist or your wrist or your forearm, um, particularly if you, you know, if you have maybe some bone loss, maybe you have some bone density issues. Um, so we see that, you know, people who have perhaps have osteoporosis or some other um, bone related issue, um, you know, if they land on their hands, right, that's going to increase that risk of an injury. And of course, if you land on your head, right, you might get a bump or a scrape, uh, but you could also do some serious, you know, have a serious head trauma um, as a result of a fall. So um, it really depends on the person. It depends on how they fell, depends on what they were doing at the time. Um, but certainly um, those are the more common injuries that we see. And so with what you just described and the many possibilities Tell us about what the implications are, not only the physical aspect, but I'm thinking in terms of mentally dealing with this, uh, the social possibilities, the impact it might have in terms of the family or the caregiver. What do we need to know about what can happen when somebody has a fall? Sure. And as you can imagine, if someone has a fall, um, they themselves might um, have to take time off of work if they are still working. Um, they might have their friend or family member might have to take time off from work to help care for them. So there could be loss of income from a job. Certainly, there are short and long-term health consequences, some of which we've already mentioned. Um, perhaps the person has to have a hospital stay, and then perhaps stay at a rehab facility, and then there's. Um, perhaps physical and occupational therapy that's going to be needed. So we see short and long-term health consequences um, that perhaps loss of work time, which again could lead to loss of income from either yourself or your family members. Also social isolation. When someone has a fall, what happens? They stay home. Uh, they stop going out perhaps. And so you know, not only those first few days and weeks after a fall, but Someone who has a fall is oftentimes then afraid that they're going to fall again. So a lot of times we see down the road, they've sort of altered their social life and they've stopped going out. They've stopped going to have dinner with a friend. They've stopped going to their community center. They've perhaps stopped going to church because they're afraid they're going to fall again. And so we see an increase in social isolation. Um, and of course, that just leads to you know decreased quality of life. Um, also decreased independence. 
sometimes when someone has a fall, um, they're not able to stay in their own home anymore. Um, while that happens, rarely it does happen. Um, it's actually one of the reasons why people tend to not report a fall, right? They're afraid if they report their fall to a friend or family member or even to a healthcare provider, you know, that might mean that those talks begin about, oh no, mom or dad can't stay in their home anymore. Um, so there's that social piece, that social isolation piece, that piece about perhaps losing some of their independence. Um, and so just overall quality of life, both in the short term and the long term. I would also suspect that talking a little bit more about families, that the implications of a fall can be a real hardship for the caregiver too, or the care partner in terms of a change in their lifestyle and having to take care of this person who had the fall. Absolutely. Uh, you know, sometimes if you have a fall, again, depending on the injuries, right, you may need um, round-the-clock care. You might need, um, you know, several hours of care. You, there are cer certainly some of your activities of daily life you might not be able to do by yourself. Um, so there's huge impacts for that friend or family member, um, you know, whether that's a paid caregiver or just a friend or family member, um, you know, it changes the life for everyone that that person knows, really. So, Sarah, I wanted to zero in a little bit on some issues that older adults are sometimes dealing with that also might increase the likelihood of falling, and that's sensory, uh, vision, and hearing, and even the issues affecting balance. Can you talk a little bit more about that, that why that's so important? Part of what causes a, a fall or puts us at a high risk for a fall is if we have any issues with our balance. And so balance is really, you know, our ability to maintain our center of gravity, right, um, and not fall. And so if we're having any issues with any of our sensory systems, our hearing, our vision, even our sense of touch, um, if you can imagine you're outside walking and you, your right foot hits a crack in the sidewalk or bumps into something, right, that sensory um, ability of your foot to detect that you hit something right? That system then sends a message to your brain. Your brain sends the message back out saying, oh, put your other foot out quick. You're going to fall. So our senses help to tell us where we are in space. Our senses all help us um, feed information to our brain and tells us if we need to do something to prevent a fall. Right? Do I need to put my arm out? Do I need to grab onto something? Do I need to put my other foot out? Do I need to stand a little wider? So all of our senses, again, are constantly taking in information about where we are, what's happening, are we sitting, are we standing, feeding information to our brain, and then that allows our brain to then react if needed. Um, another example would be if you, you know, with your vision, right? Maybe when you go from inside your house to go outside your house, um, maybe it takes your eyes a little bit longer to adjust to that difference in lighting. So our senses, again, are very important for our sense of balance and our sense of what's happening to our body in time and space. We're not really conscious of this. It just sort of happens automatically. Um, but all of those things can affect our sort of a sense of where we are and our sense of balance. Another condition that older adults sometimes have is low blood pressure. Can that bring about a fall? It can. Um, and people usually know if they have that. Um, we, we talk to people about when you're laying in bed and you then move to a sitting position, or if you're seated 
and you're going to move to a standing position, right, to take a few extra seconds or minutes to do that. Uh, because if you have low blood pressure and you go from a seated position to a standing position, um, you know, that can make you feel dizzy if you have low blood pressure. So um, again, most people who have that know that they have that. They know that they need to take a few extra minutes or you know, at least a few seconds, but maybe a minute or two to go from that laying down position to that seated position and then from a seated position to a standing position. You know, if you need to take a few seconds, stand next to the chair, hold on to the back of a sofa or the chair, let, kind of let your blood pressure catch up before you then start to move again. One other possible risk factor is medications. And of course, oftentimes older adults are taking multiple medications. You mentioned it a little bit earlier, but talk about how medications, especially if there's more than one or two, how they can possibly affect the possibility of falls and also side effects. Sure. So there's several medications that can you know, increase our risk for a fall. And as you mentioned, as we get older, people are frequently taking one or more medications. Um, some of the side effects are maybe feeling lightheaded or dizzy. Right? If you're taking medication for pain or you're taking medication to help you sleep, um, these are all medications that could affect your balance. They could affect you know, your feeling of dizziness. Um, the other thing with side effects are our bodies change as we get older. And so the same medications that we've been taking for many years might start to feel differently to us. And so I remind people to, uh, you know, if you're taking a medication and maybe as you get older, it starts, you start feeling differently, or maybe you've had a change in dose. And so that change in dose has made you feel differently. Um, or maybe you've been taking two medications and you've been at a third one has been added and the interaction between those uh, might cause you to feel dizzy um, or tired. So um, just because you've been taking a medication for many, many years doesn't mean that all of a sudden you might have some different side effects from that medication, or again, if you have a change in dosage. Um, so depending on what you're taking, especially if you're adding something new, we always recommend people talk with their physician or talk with a pharmacist about what they are taking any potential side effects that they might experience or that they are experiencing and how those could affect their balance, um, again, their sleep, dizziness, that sort of thing. I wanted to turn now, Sarah, to another area that uh, can certainly be responsible for falls, and that's your home. Teach us more or help us understand more about the rooms or the areas at home where falls usually occur? What, what are those rooms and then what are the causes? Lots of things we can do in the home to make our home safer. Um, most homes, I'm sorry, most falls do happen in the, in the home and they mostly happen in the kitchen and the bathroom and also on the stairs. So certainly wet or slippery floors are an issue. Um, if you have a, a surface in your tub or your shower that is very slippery, um, you know, that is something that you can remedy with a mat or perhaps um, some paint that has grit in it. Talk to people about throw rugs. Um, throw rugs in the falls prevention world are a big no-no. Um, they're very dangerous for people of all ages. 
Um, if people do have area or throw rugs, we recommend that they tape down the edges with some double, double sticky tape. Clutter. You know, when I, when I present in person, I ask people, oh, who has clutter in their home? And I usually get a few people to raise their hand, but we all have clutter to some extent. And so thinking about your pathways in your home, you know, your pathway from your bed to your bathroom, pathway from your living room to the front door, what clutter do you have? Do you have other, maybe you have a few Amazon boxes that have stacked up next to your couch, or you have a pile of newspapers or magazines um, next to your couch. Um, furniture placement, right? Just thinking about where's your furniture? Where's your ottoman? Where, do you have a coffee table? Um, do you have lamps that have cords? Um, just kind of walking. You know, we recommend people walk through your home, look for things that could potentially cause a fall. Um, pets, Small children, um, you know, these are things that can also um, cause a fall. And then thinking about things like your stairs, um, do you have railings that are in good repair? Do you need grab bars in your bathroom? Um, you know, there's lots of things we can do in and around our home. Um, lighting, we mentioned vision a little bit ago, right? Lighting, do you have areas in your home that are dark that could benefit from a lamp or a stronger light bulb? Um, you know, areas where there's not a lot of natural light. Something as simple as in the kitchen, cleaning up from a spill, right? If you spill something, you know, cleaning it up right away so that that you don't forget about it in a minute. And then, you know, your floor is slippery and you fall because you didn't clean up something that, that you could have cleaned up. Uh, so lots of different things we can do in our home um, to make sure that it is safe um, and that we don't, there's not a trip hazard um, that we haven't thought about. I would also add, since I, uh, in the last several months, have personally experienced, my spouse experienced a, uh, a fall, and that is, is that when you are going up and down the stairs, it's really important to hold on to the railing to make sure that you don't fall um, for older adults. And the other is wearing good, solid shoes rather than flip-flops or sandals, because that can also be a factor when it comes to falls. Anything more that you wanted to say about that, Sarah? Yeah, I think with, <clears throat> with shoes, you know, we always talk to people about wearing shoes designed for the activity that you're doing. I've had people suggest, you know, having a pair of shoes for just inside the house so that there's not, you're not tracking in dirt, but it's just a pair of good sturdy shoes with a good sole that you just wear in the house. Um, you mentioned the stairs. Certainly, if you have carpeted stairs and you are wearing regular socks, that can be very slippery. Um, hand railings, absolutely important. And then when you're going up and down the stairs, you know, making sure that you're not carrying something that allows that your hands are both being busy, so you can't grab onto that hand railing. I know I myself uh, constantly reminding myself to do that. If I have something in both hands, I I either put it down or I move it to one side so that my one hand is available to be on that hand railing. Good advice, for sure. I also wanted to have you touch a little bit on factors that could cause falls outside the house. So just like inside the house, there are things outside that can cause a fall, things like uh, wet, slippery surfaces. And, you know, we're moving into fall right now while we're taping this. And so uh, we're, there's lots of leaves on the ground. Leaves get wet. Wet leaves are slippery. Rainy surfaces are, are slippery as well as snow and ice. So other things, you know, we mentioned hand railings. So hand railings, um, also important, cracked sidewalks, curbs. P 
people trying to rush to get um, through a crosswalk, right? Uh, you only have so many so many seconds to get across a crosswalk, and so sometimes we try to rush to get through that crosswalk. Um, but again, hand railings, um, well lighted spaces, right? Maybe you're inside, maybe you're inside at a theater, and um, you have to go up a set of stairs to get to your seat. Um, and so thinking about a dark space, um, and you know, thinking about thinking ahead of time, right? Talk to people about just thinking ahead of time about what it is you're going to be doing. Are you going to need any assistance? Um, are you wearing the proper shoes for what you're going to be doing? Um, you know, those are all things that we can think about ahead of time. And when we think about being preventable, right, that's what we're talking about. Taking a few minutes before you're going to go out and do something. What are some things that I might encounter in this trip that could increase my risk for a fall? And what can I do about them? I would even add in terms of stairs, when you're going shopping and you're in a store that has escalators, escalators can also be very dangerous as you're trying to step on or off as well. It's bad enough it's a stair kind of uh, arrangement, but uh, it can also be a little confusing uh, when you're trying to be on an escalator. Would you agree? Absolutely. It's not only you on that escalator, but I've had experiences where I, you're, you're ready to get off the escalator. And the person who was in front of you got off and they're just standing there, right? <laughs> Trying to decide what they're going to do next. Um, so yeah, you know, it's moving, right? So there's a little bit of a balance and a little bit of a timing issue with getting onto that escalator and then holding on, make sure that you do have a hand free to hold on if that's what, what you want to do to feel safe. So absolutely. Um, escalators, even those moving sidewalks at the airport uh, have a similar situation where you're, it's a little, you know, it's a little unnerving to your balance if you're holding on and you're watching people go past you very quickly. And again, when you get ready to get off, if that person ahead of you has just stopped, um, it can cause an issue right at the end. Well, we're almost time for a break, but I wanted to ask you one more question, Sarah, and that's in the event that older adults fall at home or elsewhere, Explain to us what immediate actions they can take to uh, minimize their injuries. So I love that question because, you know, when, when somebody falls, what do we want to do? If you see somebody fall, right, our, our instinct is to run over and help them get up immediately. And what we tell people is if you fall, you know, take a few minutes to do what, what someone once told me is an all systems check, right? So sit. You know, if you, if you lost your phone or something fell off, you know, can you gather it? Just sit for a few minutes and do what we call, again, that all systems check. Uh, move your ankles, move your legs, move your arms, check your head, right? Is anything broken? Are you bleeding, right? So, and if people rush up to you and want to, uh, you know, try to help you get up, say to them, I'm okay, just, just let me sit here for a minute. And in that process, you can decide if, uh, if you are bleeding or if you do suspect that you have a serious injury, um, you can either call for help yourself, call 911. You can ask a passerby to call 911. And then if, if you do have an injury and you've called for help, you just want to sit there until help arrives. But if after a few minutes you feel okay and you know you, you think you can get up, you can either ask for help, you can scoot on your rear end over to a piece of furniture or a stair, you can crawl on your hands and knees to a place where you can sit. Uh, but we always just say, take your time in getting up. 
Don't feel like you have to get right up. Um, take your time. Make sure you've got your bearings about yourself um, before you start to move. And again, you're going to do that assessment and see if you have an injury. And if you do have an injury, uh, you or somebody should call 911. All right. We're going to take a short break right now. And in case you tuned in late, we are talking about falls, awareness about falls and prevention. And we have two guests. We have Dr. Sarah Papa, who is the coordinator of the Northern Virginia Falls Prevention Alliance. And she has given us an excellent overview of what we need to know about falls. And in the second half, we're going to be hearing from Rainy Ames, executive producer of the Saving Claire Falls Prevention Project. So you're listening to WERA Arlington, Virginia, 96.7 FM. We'll be right back. Today's program is about falls awareness and prevention, and we have two excellent guests who have been giving us, well, the first guest, Sarah Papa, who is the coordinator of the Northern Virginia Falls Prevention Alliance, gave us a great overview about falls prevention and awareness, and we look forward to talking with Rainey Ames uh, in a moment, but Sarah, I just wanted to ask you one question. We, I had introduced you earlier as the coordinator of the Virginia Falls Prevention Alliance. Tell us briefly what that organization is and then how you began, uh, how you learned about the Saving Claire Falls Prevention Project, and then we'll hear from uh, Rainey. Sure. So the, it's actually the Northern Virginia Falls Prevention Alliance, and it's a group of um, you know, sort of interested um, professionals as well as community members who work with older adults and are interested and invested in keeping older adults safe and independent and keeping people who want to stay in their home as they age, right? Helping them stay in their home safely as they age. So it's the community coalition side of the work that we do. Uh, we meet quarterly, we share resources, we network, and it's really about spreading awareness about falls prevention, as well as we are implementing some evidence-based falls prevention programs throughout the region to help people um, really focus on uh, reducing their fear of falling and then working on increasing their fitness through balance, strength, um, and endurance exercises. Um, we heard about the, the um, Saving Claire Falls Prevention Project really through networking with some of our partners across the country. Uh, we heard about a group in Florida that had been doing um, some really exciting things, working with their local EMS and their fire departments. Um, and doing some other really creative things uh, surrounding falls prevention awareness. And again, that national partner sort of put us in touch. Uh, we heard about the project at one of our quarterly alliance meetings. And some of my alliance members were like, hey, that, that sounds like a really interesting sort of different creative uh, way to um, do some falls prevention awareness. 
And so really over the, over the last fall and the next several months, I reached out to Ames Productions um, and we had several conversations and over, over time and through the Marymount Center for Optimal Aging and our alliance, um, just over the summer, we were able to um, bring the project to Northern Virginia and DC and we're, we're actually rolling it out this week. Okay. And with that, Rainey, take it away. Talk about the Saving Claire Falls Prevention Project. What is it? How did it come about? What is the purpose? Tell us more. You know, my husband and I are essentially uh, public interest and public television producers, and we both have backgrounds in journalism. And we had been producing this kind of public interest programming for um, about 30 years. And we were beginning the creation of something called Thriving in Place, a Thriving in Place platform, sort of at the urging of many people and based on our own journeys as we were approaching this uh, third chapter, the third act in our own lives. And um, when we looked around and looked at the landscape with baby boomers representing the largest demographic block in our history, and especially younger boomers and older Gen X who are a true subset that's not necessarily as well identified, but who do exist and have a very different life trajectory. Um, So we were looking at, well, how do we provide some tools? You know, the old work in the same place for 30 years, retire to a golf community, retire somewhere. It's like this didn't apply to the majority of people anymore. And and people had different expectations. They were going to work longer um, they didn't have savings accounts that were, you know, probably going to fund their retirement in the same way. And so we thought it was time to look with some creativity and, um, and see what kinds of things uh, people were doing and, and put together a toolkit. So this put us in conversation with a lot of different kinds of really interesting people. And, uh, we were at a lunch uh, with an area agency on aging with some people we were getting ready to interview. And we sat at the table with a woman named Linda Goldman. And Linda is a playwright who started doing um, plays about older people and for older people in her late 60s. And Linda had written a play about falls, about a woman named Claire who takes a fall. And um, this play, which we were then invited to go see, was, you know, it was community theater, local actors, all of those things. And um, it was, she formed a, an acting troupe, a senior's acting trip, troupe called Sages. And we went to see this really charming production. And we were sort of moved by the impact it had on the audience. And we were like, we would not have thought that this would be a thing that would be effective. And we also thought that Linda's story was really compelling because she had taken this challenge to write this, to do something about this epidemic of falls that we saw in our own community in Pinellas County in Florida. So we knew that it would be hard to bring this local play to a lot of people, but that if we could combine the story of Linda and um, and the best of the play, that we could do something perhaps to um, contribute to the fall prevention education efforts that were so critical. Um, at that time, my husband had lost his father 
to a preventable fall. And I had lost my uncle to a preventable fall. So it was really front of mind. And even though we had both been through these things, neither of us had thought, well, you know, fall, these are these are preventable. There should be education. People should take action. So even in the context of these family tragedies that were, you know, horrendous, um, it didn't occur to us that fall prevention education would be a solution for um, for communities and for individuals. So, um, you know, we uh, we started talking to Linda. And we said, are you interested in participating in this? And she very graciously agreed to do so. Um, so we tell some of her story. Part of the film is talking about her and her perspectives as a playwright. And she sort of explains her characters. Um, all of her actors are from, you know, the local community. Everyone's a volunteer. Um, and, and one of the real, really early on, we realized that taking the best scenes in the play and expanding the uh, production of them and presenting them to their best advantage, you know, the way we can with production, um, that we could then tell this story and make the best of the storytelling over and over and over and over again in a way that was very hard to duplicate with a local production. You know, it takes a lot. They're all volunteers. You have to have a space. Um, so we... Um, we used to say that it is the Hamilton of fall prevention is this play called Denying Gravity. And we are very pleased that we were able to work with Linda and the cast and crew of um, Denying Gravity to then tell the story of Linda and the story of Claire and also the story of communities who are trying to do something about this, you know, really deadly epidemic. When you show this, who are your target audiences and, and groups? Is it only older adults? Are we also talking about caregivers? Are we talking about families? Are we talking about people of all ages? Because as Sarah said in the first half, not only older people can fall, but younger people as well. So who would you have in mind as you created this documentary? That's really an excellent question because it does reinforce this concept that Sarah talked about, which is that this audience has many layers, obviously seniors who are in the high risk group, sort of they are front of mind. We want to reach people right away to tell them, as as Sarah mentioned, you know, move your rug, remove those cords, get good shoes, these things that are critical to their safety right now. But we're also talking to children who will of course, age and one day themselves need to understand this risk, but also so that they can help their parents perhaps in this um, journey of prevention, Ex extended family members, caregivers. And, and now we are actually working with um, groups of clinicians like physical therapists and occupational therapists to help them use um, storytelling and relatable characters um, to expand the way they communicate with their patients. Um, we've worked with churches, libraries, entire cities, fire departments, senior living communities, you know, everyone, rotary clubs, civic organizations, um, just about anyone who will agree to watch Saving Claire, <laughs> we will bring Saving Claire to them. Um, so we're like anywhere that people can gather to learn or share um, it's an appropriate place. There is an audience. Really, the whole 
all of society should be paying attention to this because the cost in human suffering and the cost in financial loss is astronomical. I was really glad to hear Sarah put the number to it because then we're, we're sort of looking at what is the ripple effect? You know, people lose their homes, they lose independence, they are put into situations that are devastating for their families. We actually, in Saving Claire, we address that spiral. We address its impact on family. You know, Sarah talked about people not being able to work. So often also their loved ones, whether it's a spouse, partner, caregiver, or a child, or a friend, you know, someone must go, someone must leave work and disrupt their life to to help somebody recover or deal with the impact of a fall. So when people ask me who the audience is, I'm like everyone who walks around other than perhaps very small children, but everyone and or everyone who is aging, will age, has a parent, you know, this is the audience. What is I think I think there was recently something um Jimmy Carter or or Rosalind Carter talking about um, you know, you if you are a caregiver, you will become a caregiver or you will need a caregiver. So I did not internalize that as a younger person as much as I do now. When, you know, you can see it's like, oh, the vulnerabilities are real. And so keeping your independence, keeping staying upright and able to do the things you do every day is critical to your well-being and to the well-being of everyone around you, which is something we do talk a lot about at screenings and and in the film. And to that point, uh, Rainey, I wanted to, as I was reading about uh, this project, there was a reference to something called the fall screening tool. Talk more about that. What, what is its purpose and what is the relationship to the project? We think it's very important for people to take this short survey of risk, of their own risk, that we urge people to take, and we do it at the beginning of the events. It takes, you know, not very long, and um, it assesses where you are and what is your risk. We think if that's on your mind when you watch, you'll watch differently. So we want people to take that assessment, and then, of course, we want them afterwards to engage with people like Sarah and the professionals in the Alliance, in the Northern Virginia Fall Prevention Alliance, um, with their primary care physician, with a physical therapist, an occupational therapist, or some other qualified, certified professional to understand their fall risk. Most people don't know. It had not occurred to me. A lot of people are very surprised in these gatherings when they take this, that they are at risk for a fall. And they might not have known that they were because they haven't fallen yet. And one other part of when you do this screening or this presentation of the film, after it occurs, after the viewing, you mentioned about the experts. Talk a little bit more about that. Is, is it a Q&A? Do people, is there sort of a moderator that uh, takes questions from people? What is the process then that occurs after the actual viewing of the, of the film? Right after the film, people like Sarah, doctors, occupational therapists, physical therapists, pharmacists, um, ER physicians, uh, movement and exercise specialists, um, and now we are including um, psychologist when we can, gather. So you have a panel there ready to discuss what are your next steps in fall prevention. 
that panel is very important. People are ready to talk about this and, and to have people there who can explain to them what they need to do is critical. They are um, emotionally open, right? The storytelling connects in a different way and they relate to Claire and they are ready to hear from that physical therapist, how do I get a fall risk assessment? From that occupational therapist, how do I get an OT to visit my home? Should I take matter of balance? The answer for everyone is yes, um, or sale, or or Tai Chi. Those kinds of experts are almost always in the room or in the virtual room. We've During COVID, we did lots and lots of virtual things, and they're very effective. So that people can talk to someone right there and map a path, map a path of action. For, for fall prevention steps for themselves. And so what's also available is that there are resources and information. And uh, do you hand that out? Or is that more something that these experts who are also present that they hand out? And knowing that this is a project that you do all over the country, is it the same in each place that there's going to be these experts who will individually, depending on what community they're participating in, that they'll provide those, uh, those resources for the audience? One of the great things about this project is that it is a documentary, but it is also a blueprint for building a community fall prevention education campaign. So one of the things we do is bring all of these stakeholders together. We work to put them in the same room. In each region, those people have the resources for the local community, right? They know it's like, here are the people in your backyard who can help you, whether it is a pharmacist, whether it is a a sale or a matter of balance class or a Tai Chi class. Here is a community center where you can do this. Here are the uh, licensed professionals. We try to get those people in the room and we, we then build a resource guide to send to people afterwards. The resource guide includes things like the national components, right? Here are the National Council on Aging resources. Here are the CDC resources and and information on fall prevention. But also then we build with each region, um, you know, locally specific resources and contacts so that, for example, the you know, not everyone is as fortunate as Northern Virginia to have this uh, alliance and and someone like Sarah who has um, you know ability and and they have done tremendous work to put this alliance together and to get it launched. But most communities, you we can pull people together to offer resources and to articulate through the websites of the alliance and through the Saving Claire website in each region. How do you reach people? What do you do next? Because that is really important. That's why we like those people in the room. That's why we like a table at the back of the room. It's like walk back there and sign up for a fall risk assessment right now. And we have people do that all the time. And one of the things I wanted to step back for a second without doing a spoiler alert, we talk a little bit about the film. How long is it? Can you kind of give us mm-hmm. an overview of what happens in the film Just kind of curious, because I'm very eager myself, and I'm sure listeners are too, of seeing this film, but what happens? I urge you to see the film when you can, but I will tell you, it is a, uh, really, I don't want to spoil the ending, but you will be happy that you saw it, and you will feel good that you saw it. How's that? That's good. 
Um, but it's really, it, it is, you know, um, what is it? There's a Scottish saying that the story is told eye to eye, mind to mind, and heart to heart. It is a very emotional journey of connecting with a person who starts in one way and then journeys through this spiral after a fall. But it's also, you know, the attitude of the person and the reaction of the person and the behavior have huge impact on her outcome. So we really wanted to to feature that and to drive home this idea that we are all like this, denial, not wanting to uh, understand the changes that age might bring to us, not wanting to ask people for help. I mean, these are very common things. We taught, we cover a lot of this in the film. We also cover the impact, the very real impact and devastating impact of a fall. But it's a, it's a story about a human, right? It's not just here are a bunch of fall prevention things. It's like, here's someone on this journey that it would be better if you didn't take. And I suspect that because it is about a human and people can identify with that character, that's why this is a very effective way to raise awareness about and prevent falls. Uh, I'm assuming that was part of your thinking. That was really the central thinking, was that there was not a shortage of good fall prevention information. We talked to extremely talented, astute professionals at the top of this game who had put together fantastic events to offer to people, and and no one would come. You know, and um, so we knew that we need something to engage and to entertain. And storytelling is how we communicate as humans, right? And that's what we are. We're journalists, so we're fundamentally storytellers anyway. And we really wanted um, Claire to be relatable. And we wanted them to see someone that they knew or that they could be, perhaps, that Claire was a peer, and that was a very important element. We wanted people to identify and relate to Claire. And we all wanted to be in this conversation together, not sort of like, you should do this and you should do that. And, you know, there's a lot of talking down. We need to improve the way we talk about aging and the way we talk to older people. I mean, ageism is a rampant and destructive force in our culture. Um, we have an unproven hypothesis that it is, um, like all bias, um, that it is a big contributor to behaviors that aren't ideal. Um, and we're looking into to how to explore that more now as you know, to, to make the project um, more effective. But we wanted to, to approach this as we're telling the story of someone who could be any one of us right? Claire could be any of us. It could be our mother. It is our mother. It is our father. It is our aunt, our uncle, our partner. Claire is a human being on a journey uh, in aging. And again, we don't have a lot of resources. This is kind of a, a frontier we don't explore. And people don't want to talk about the things that have changed as they have aged. Because society is not supportive of these changes. And in fact, we have tremendous bias against um, all evidence and all appearance, outward appearance of aging. So it's not surprising that people deny. And so I wanted to make sure that our listeners, 
because this program could be broadcast outside the Northern Virginia area, and I'm going to get to Sarah in a second. But I recall now you said that you have a website, but if people are listening in other parts of the country besides Northern Virginia, tell us again, what's the best way to contact and schedule the Saving Claire Falls Prevention Project in different communities? Okay, if you're not going, if you're not in Northern Virginia, you can reach me at rainy at amesproductions.net. And I'll, I'll make sure you have this information for your website. And you can also go to savingclair.com and pull up that contact form and send us a note. We will get it and we will respond. And you are available then to perhaps do this all over the country. Is that correct? We are actually being asked to do this all over the country. Excellent. We're about to start. Yeah, with Washington State. We're in Florida. We are growing. It is a labor-intensive thing. It's not a thing where we just sort of send out a feed. Sarah can attest to this. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're delighted to be um, expanding the scope of Saving Claire. That's That was the goal. Excellent. Well, I wanted to get back to Sarah and find out, because I understand that this is going to be shown in this area as well. So, Sarah, how can listeners in the District, Maryland, Virginia, geographic area learn more about the scheduled Saving Claire Project-related events that are coming up? Sure. So, again, the Alliance, we're very excited to be uh, rolling out this project and working with um, Rainey at Ames Productions. It's a great film. Um, this is the taping of this podcast today, Cheryl, as you know, this is Falls Prevention Awareness Week, but of course we do this work all year round. Um, we are starting to have some screening events in the Northern Virginia area. Uh, people can go to our website. This is the website of the Alliance at novafallsprevention.com. That's all one word, Nova Falls Prevention. And uh, we have a calendar of events and people can see where the events are going to be held. We're also open to people just reaching out to us. Um, and if you, if someone is listening and they have a, they live in a community, they belong to a senior center, uh, they go to their library on a regular basis, and their perhaps um, smaller community has not heard about this, um, they can reach out to us. They can also fill out a contact me form on our website um, because our goal is to get this film it, it, to as many people as we can. Um, so we're open to ideas and suggestions from people who want to bring it to um, their own neighborhood or community, small or big. And so just so I understand, Sarah, well, I know this is False Prevention Week, and this broadcast that we're pre-recording right now will not actually occur until on the 26th of, of uh, September. That is still, it is still possible to get access to this, this uh, film. Is that correct? Yes, we're going to be doing screening events for at least the next two years, and who knows beyond that. <laughs> okay, well, that's that's good. So final question, Sarah, we've talked a lot about this wonderful project, and uh, this, is, this is really excellent. I, I can't wait to see this. But are there any re other resources that older adults and their care partners and families can check into to learn about falls and how to prevent them? Where else can they look? So there's two great websites. The first is the CDC. They have a pro uh, program called STEADY, which is all capital letters, S-T-E-A-D-I, which stands for Stopping Elderly Accidents, Deaths, and Injuries. And that part of their website has a lot of great materials, materials for um, older adults themselves, 
family members, caregivers, as well as professionals. A lot of great resources. Um, National Council on Aging also, NCOA, also has a great falls prevention section full of information about um, evidence-based falls prevention programs, um, things you can do in your home, et cetera. Um, and of course, you know, your own healthcare provider, right? Your, your healthcare provider should also be a resource for you um, if you're looking for information about uh, preventing a fall. Uh, you know, we remind people all the time, uh, you know, don't be afraid to talk about a fall. We know it can be scary. Uh, people hesitate to talk about it because they, they worry about losing their independence. Um, but we know, as we've said multiple times today, right, we know falls are predictable and preventable, but you really do have to sort of admit, right, that we are getting older, we're putting, we are at a greater risk, but there's lots of things we can do to prevent that fall. Sound advice for all of you. So I want to thank Dr. Sarah Papa with the Northern Virginia Falls Prevention Alliance and Rainy Ames, the executive producer of the Saving Claire Falls Prevention Project, for joining me today. Thank you both. I really appreciated having you as guests on my show. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Okay. And to learn more about Aging Matters, you can visit our website, which is agingmattersonline.com. And of course, at this site, you can access all Aging Matters radio uh, programs, as well as TV show content, and of course, the Aging Matters podcast, which can be found on Apple and Spotify. Aging Matters is produced in association with Ink Mouth Media. Thank you for listening to Aging Matters today. And remember, age is just a number, not a label. I'll be back again with you next week. Music